plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast. It is Wednesday, the 16th of August, the year 2017. I'm John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to it. You can do so on many platforms, including iTunes, Audioboom, and Spotify. And please give the show a good rating. So by de- I'm going to decree that we're going to do a second mailbag show this week because we got enough good questions in the comment section of gangreennation.com that we could not get to all of them on yesterday's show. So we, we missed our mailbag last week. So this week we'll have two. So let's jump in. We, we've got some more good questions uh, heading our way. First question, is Joe Klecko still eligible for the Hall of Fame next year? And... If you've followed the Jets on social media, they're really picking up uh, steam trying to promote Klecko's Hall of Fame candidacy. Um, Guy who was a pro bowler at three different positions, absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame, uh, uh, if you ask me. Klecko is no longer eligible through through the regular route. You know, you see the voting that takes place. Uh, the day before the Super Bowl, they announced the guys who are Hall of Famers who are going in. Klecko has been out of the, out of the league too long. He missed too, ma- too many attempts to try and make the Hall of Fame through the regular route. So now he has to go through the senior committee, uh, the senior route. They, they've established a, a second route to get into the Hall of Fame for players who uh, have missed their, their opportunity too much, uh, who've been out of the game for too long. So the senior committee has... A, a, a process set up where two players from the senior committee can get voted in this year. Next year, it'll only be one. And then the year after two, one. And essentially what they do is the, the reason they alternate like that is they, they do the inverse when it comes to contributors to the league. So one contributor this year, two contributors next year. One contributor, one contributor the year after that. So this year is going to be a better chance for Klecko to get in because there are two players who can go in this year from the senior committee. I hope that makes sense. But um, so this year you get you have two players from the senior committee, which is the route Klecko has to go through to get in. Will get in next year only one. Now the year after that two players because there's either two players and one contributor or two contributors and one player. So Klecko will remain. Klecko can always be voted in, but. The route's a little trickier now that he's part of the senior process, and this year, with more than one player going in, he'll probably have a better chance than he would next year. Next question, do you think the Jets should or will pick up another running back? Those backups showed nothing good. I actually would have to disagree with you a little bit. I thought Elijah McGuire looked very good in in limited action, but I thought he he looked good. Now, you look at the final stat line, you're going to say, wow, he really didn't have a very good game. But you have to remember that there were two long runs, an 11-yard run, a 14-yard run that were 
brought back because of penalty. So you add those to his stats, he looks pretty good. Uh, I thought he showed good burst. I thought he showed good elusiveness. I think at the bottom of the roster, you should always check what's out there, scan the waiver wire, and that'll happen in a few weeks when teams make cuts. If you see a guy out there who you think is better, you bring him in, certainly. But another thing to remember is that we're talking about the third string back on the Jets here. You were without your top two backs on Saturday night. So don't forget that. Uh, I think almost any team at any position, you get down to the number three guy, things are not going to look that great. But even so, I thought McGuire showed showed you some things to like. I'm not as pessimistic on it. Now, running back's a position where teams find quality off the scrap heap all the time. So again, you, you always scan the wire. You always see what you can find. If there's an upgrade to be found, then sure, go for it. But I don't think it's necessarily something that's a top priority. Again, because you, your top two guys didn't play. So that, that I, I'd probably say that. Next question, Sheldon Richardson. Would you put him on the nose? And that's the question about Sheldon Richardson. Would I put him at nose tackle? And my answer to that is absolutely. I think that Putting Sheldon Richard, using Sheldon Richardson on, as a nose tackle is a, is a great idea. Um, you know, he'll use his athleticism to overwhelm some of the less athletic interior linemen. He'll use his strength to overwhelm some of the smaller interior linemen. I think it's a great idea. And, I, you know, we talk about, we've talked all the time over the last year we've been doing this podcast about the way you get the three star defensive linemen on the field together and maximize them. And they're Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson, Leonard Williams. And for whatever reason, the Jets have used Richardson on the edge a lot more. Well, Richardson's an interior type lineman. And it makes me want to scream when people say you can't use all three of these guys together because everybody talks about how great of a defensive mind Wade Phillips is. You know, Wade Phillips is the new great defensive coordinator. And he is. I'm not Disputing that idea, Wade Phillips is a great defensive coordinator. Now, do a little research and tell me how Wade Phillips has coached his teams, coached his defenses during his career. He's had, you know, three guys, three big defensive linemen, three-man lines, big guys who play together. They, they're all they're each responsible for one gap. So you, and a gap is the space between either the center and the guard, or the guard and the tackle, or the tackle and the tight end. And each lineman's responsible for one gap. And if you have good defensive linemen responsible for one gap, what they'll do is they'll shoot the gap, they'll get into the backfield, they'll be disruptive, they'll force double teams because they're so dominant. And that's what you want for the Jets. You want those three guys playing there. And look, maybe Wilkerson's the guy you move to the nose. I think he could also be successful there. Um, But you have those three guys, and if you rush a fourth guy off the edge... Well, only one of the one of your three stars can be double teamed. So that means on each play, out of uh, Wilkerson, Williams, Richardson, two of those guys are going to be one on one. Now, what are the odds? Two of those guys being, you know, what are the odds? One of those two guys can win his assignment. I'd say pretty good. So, I think that the Jets need to be a little smarter with the way they deploy Richardson, and I do think that to some extent. Richardson's gotten off a little easy because I don't think he's performed the way you'd want him to perform, even when he's been inside, particularly as a passer. He's actually been better as a run defender than a lot of people would think, but I don't think he's been as effective. I think Richardson gets off easy. People blame the coaching staff, and I think that 
it's a little more nuanced than that. I think the coaching staff deserves some blame for it, but I also think Richardson hasn't been the type of disruptive force you want him to be. So it's not just a matter of moving him inside, which it is. It's, that's important, but Richardson also has to play better. So that I think I think you're on to something, but I think that it also requires Richardson to elevate his game, get back to the level he was at in 2014. Next question is about the wide receiver position. With Quincy and Nunwa out, do you see them going the committee route and giving guys reps through games, kind of like a platoon system, rotating them in and out all game? I don't. I think what you need is you need guys to emerge. To emerge. I, I think we, we had a similar discussion on this podcast a few weeks ago, and I brought up the, you know, the Bill Parcells line about quarterbacks, where you know if you have two guys, you don't have anybody. And essentially what that means is that if you have a lot of guys at the position and you can't decide who you're going to start, that usually that usually doesn't happen because everybody's looking like a star player. Usually, it's because nobody's looking good enough to start. Um, and you know, I think I don't think that that rotating receivers is going to really do a whole lot for this team if the receivers aren't of high qual- quality. What you need is you need guys to emerge, guys to show you that they're starter level players. If you don't have guys who are starter level players, I don't think that rotating them in is going to really do a whole lot for you. And the the other problem with that, and look, you're going to have different personnel groupings through the games. There are going to be certain points where you, maybe you move a guy into the slot, maybe you play two tight ends. There are certain certain formations where you'll pull a tight end off. You'll have four receivers. You'll, I mean, guys will go in and out, but I don't think you you want an even platoon among your starting level players because having chemistry with the quarterback and the receivers is an important thing. It's you know it's not no small thing. So I don't think you want to mess with that. Um, ultimately, what you need is you need guys to show that they're that they're worthy of being starters. I don't think any team's ever had a problem where they had too many starting level players at the position. If you ever did, it's a very good problem to have. So I don't think that that's a problem that's necessarily going to be solved by you know um, moving guys in and out during the game. Now, if you know if you can find a matchup that you like and you move a guy around the formation, maybe move him into the slot. You know, for a strategic advantage, that makes sense. But I don't think you just distribute the playing time evenly. I don't think it's a, pl- a pure platoon system where you're just splitting the snaps equally. Um, I think I think you have to be, you have to just have to hope that somebody emerges. So a couple or a couple guys emerge. Next question is about the trade deadline. If the Jets surprise everybody and start the season with a 500 record. Um, around the trade deadline, and then they get offers that they would have accepted during the offseason for Forte or Sheldon Richardson. Do you think Mike McCagnan will take them or see how the rest of the season plays out? I don't think anybody's going to trade for Matt Forte. Um, I think running back is a position where you can always find a guy for cheap. I mean, teams pull guys out, pull running backs out of the midair for, you know, out of thin air for, nothing each year. So I, I don't see Forte being a guy anybody would trade for. Uh, but I, I, I like the premise of the question. I, I do think there, there are going to be offers for Sheldon Richardson. The Mike McCagnan has told you that the Jets are not building this team for 2017. They're building it for the long term. And while I have quibbles with some of the individual moves that they made, in general, I think that that was really the, the only way the Jets could go. They had to just tear this thing down and start from scratch. So with this in mind, would a handful... You have to think, remember this. We're talking about Jets winning a handful of games early in the season. Is that enough to make you 
go off your big picture strategy and keep guys just to help you in 2017? I would say no. Because let's say you're 500 at the trade deadline. Is it possible your team could get hot at the right time and go on a big run? Yes. What are the odds of that happening, though? And that's what you have to consider. It's not just that you're in the race. It's what are the odds of my team going on a big run and really making some noise in this AFC? And I think for this this Jets team, the answer is probably going to be not very high. So are those couple of wins, is that small chance enough to take you off the big picture plan that you put into place just a few months ago? I don't think it should be. And I'm trying to, I was trying to come up with a better example because this is not, this is not the best example because you're not going to get the same return that this team got. But I think about the Yankees a year ago when the Yankees were in a position where around, you know, the trade deadline, they were in a spot where theoretically they could have gone on a run and made some noise, but you looked at the composition, you looked at the talent that was on the roster, you looked at where they were in the standings, the odds just weren't that high. So what they did was they sold off a lot of their um, veteran parts, and they really restocked their farm system. And that's that's already started to pay dividends for them this season. It's not the exact same comparison, because you're not going to get the same types of assets in return for a Sheldon Richardson or a Matt Forte or any other piece that Jets could trade. You're going to get more marginal assets, but these are marginal assets that can, these are assets that can help you in the future, that can help you build your team going forward. Whereas Forte, I think we all know, this is his last year with the Jets. It's, there's virtually no chance he's back with this team in 2018. Richardson is a little different from the standpoint that if he has a big year, you might consider franchising him. But I'd say at this point, it's probably more likely he, more likely he's not with this team in 2018. I, I think the, the general question, though, was do you change your strategy based on winning a couple of games? And I, I would say no. If this team, you know, even if this team surprises you with a hot start, I think or you know, the question was about the team's 500. So if you're a 500 team, you're probably not going anywhere anyway. And still looking at this Jets roster, I still think you're going to have a tough time making a run. So I think you're still, no matter what happens with this team at the start of the year, I think you're looking at helping. I think your your vision is 2018 and beyond. It's not 2017, even if you surprise people by winning a few more games early. Thank you so much for your questions. These What a great week of questions we got for this podcast. Um, that'll do it for today. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast. I'm John B. from gangreennation.com. Please subscribe to this show if you'd be so kind. You can do so on many platforms, including iTunes, Audio Boom, and Spotify. And please give it a good rating. We'll chat again on Thursday. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The list.